Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Merry Christmas. We're looking back at some of our important conversations this past year. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, good morning. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. During this Christmas week, so Merry Christmas to you, or Happy Boxing Day, as the case may, de- may be. Uh, maybe you are a St. Stephen's Day, or Paul Perot, what do we call it, um, Many Unhappy Returns? Yeah, the Day of Many Unhappy Returns, where people don't like the size or the color of the item they got. Mm-hmm. Um, the wise men. Let's talk about the wise men this morning and the significance of not only their visit, but the significance of the gifts that they brought to Jesus. Because I would like to provoke us to think... On this day after Christmas, having received Jesus, the greatest gift ever given, wrapped in human flesh and lying in a manger, God's own son, having received the gift of Jesus, what gift do we bring to exchange? So we can think of this great exchange that we make at the cross, this great exchange of, of his life for our salvation, the great exchanges that, um, that God makes on our behalf, trading the glory of heaven for the reality of walking among us in human life. Like there's some great exchanges that take place, not only in the Christmas story, but in um, obviously the unfolding life and ministry of Jesus. And so maybe give that a little thought today. What are the exchanges that we make? And then I just want us to think for a moment about the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus and maybe have that provoke for us some thoughts about the gifts that we might bring. What gifts might you give to Jesus today? And if we just start with Jesus needed the hospitality of a human womb, that is a pretty incredible gift that Mary gives him. Mary gives him the hospitality of her own body in order that God might deliver into the world the Savior. That's pretty incredible. The gift of hospitality is extended to Jesus over and over and over again during his lifetime. And so even though we find ourselves sometimes critical that the first place that Joseph sought for his very, very heavily pregnant wife, probably at that point in labor, you know, a place for her to give birth. When we think of that story and we're like, oh, you know, there was no, quote, room for them in the end. And we find ourselves a little bit critical. Like people made room for them. They they made room for them. The, The hospitality of the room that was extended to them is significant. And then there is, of course, the hospitality extended by the shepherds who come to see the newborn king. There is later in Jesus's life other gifts as well. The gift of hospitality is something that continues to be extended to him over and over and over again. I think of all the times that he spent, uh, all the days and nights that he spent at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the hospitality that they extended to him, the times that Jesus invited himself over for dinner. (laughs) Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm coming to your house today. There's the gift of simply walking with Jesus, particularly in times of travail, thinking about the gift of being with him along some stretches of his life experience, the gift of being with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's all he really wanted was for his closest friends to be with him, and they fell asleep, and we recognize that. But there's 
there is the gift of simply being present with him as he is enduring for us on our behalf a very, very difficult and hard road. There's the gift of a tomb. Have you ever thought about that? So there's the gift of the spices that the women bring to the tomb, but there is the gift of the tomb. It's not his own. Just think about the gifts that people extended to Jesus during his life. And it all starts with the wise men who arrive from the east. We'd be in Matthew chapter 2. Where in where in the word are you today? Let's pick up in Matthew chapter 2 as we consider another portion of the Christmas story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem uh, and said, go, make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me. So I too may go and worship him. Clearly not what Herod had in mind. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented them gifts of gold, incense, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So when you think of the gift of gold supplying for the needs of the Holy Family, probably during their refugee journey into Egypt, which is the next portion of this story in Matthew chapter 2. The way that the gift of the wise men, the gift of the Magi, would have, um, would have supplied for the needs of, of the Holy Family. But gold is also a gift fit for a king. And then there are these other gifts, frankincense and myrrh. You and I know, or we're familiar with the, the story of the anointing um, of Jesus for his burial, uh, and that is uh, pure nard. Again, these, these frankincense or these, or these incense that are used for the preparing of a person for a holy service. And then myrrh, one of the spices that would have been used at his burial. And so something that was given to him as an infant and probably traveled along with his mother until his death. Just think about that. And then think about the ways in which we say we want to be like Jesus. Jesus never owned his own home. Jesus never, in the way we think about it, had his own family. Jesus was needy. He was a person who relied on the generosity and hospitality of others. Are we that humble? And do we stand ready to give to Christ in those ways today? What does that look like to come to Christ in a gift exchange, bringing our sin and setting it down at the foot of the cross? that the grace of God might be ours. That's the point of our Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. 
We're talking this week about the gifts of God that come with the gift of God's Holy Spirit. So upon the ascension of Jesus and the uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, human beings are granted the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, those who receive Christ receive the Spirit. And so have you received the Spirit of the living Christ, and are you unwrapping the gifts of the Spirit in your life? I hope so. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen. Let's unpack another gift of the Spirit today. Hey, welcome to Mornings with Carmen again today. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is a special edition of Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week. We are unwrapping the gifts of God in Jesus Christ. So I'm hoping that you have received the good gift of God in Christ Jesus um, by believing in his name with um, with the gift of Christ come a list of gifts, too many to number. We tried to number a few of them yesterday morning. If you missed that conversation, you can um, download the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You should be subscribed to Mornings with Carmen. Be a great opportunity for you to um, go through the list again of things that we receive when we receive Christ. We are going to talk uh, a little bit today about the spiritual gifts, begin a conversation about the spiritual gifts that come with the gift of the Holy Spirit or by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of believers. But I want to start with um, this conversation about the spirit of the world versus the spirit of Christ, because you could be operating in either one. Um, And you can tell the difference, right? We can tell the difference between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God um, and the spirit of Christ. Like we know the difference. We know when um, a person is operating out of one spirit or the other, because we have a spiritual sensitivity to that. If you are a person possessed of the Holy Spirit, then you know um, that your spirit does not resonate with every other spirit. In fact, there are some times when we can really feel, like physically feel, that the spirit that I'm operating in is very, very different than the spirit um, that someone else is operating in. And so we're going to talk about operating in the opposite spirit. So are you operating out of a spirit of greed or generosity, a spirit of pride or a spirit of humility, a spirit of fear or a spirit of love and obedience? Do you operate out of a spirit of frustration or kindness, discouragement or hope, anger or joy and peace, bitterness or forgiveness, selfishness? Or servanthood. So for those who are in Christ Jesus, the the Holy Spirit comes upon us and into us and moves us by degrees, one degree of glory to another, from the spirit of the world actually to operating out of the spirit of Christ. So it's not as if, you know, you flip a light switch and you go from being a a person who views everything as lacking like right so that i got to i got to gather more i got to cling to i got to i got to clutch what is mine and get more and more because there's not going to be enough right so that that's operating out of a spirit of greed and that's the spirit of the world versus a spirit of generosity that understands that um everything belongs to god god is all sufficient his mercies are new every morning and god's never going to run out um, of blessings, and you are his child, and he wants to bless you. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. Um, and if you experience material lack here in a, a particular stage of life, guess what? 
you'll have the secret of being content. That's what Paul talks about in plenty and in one. I I know the secret of being content in all things because I have Christ. I'm possessed of the spirit of Christ. I'm not operating out of the spirit of the world. So which spirit are you operating in? That's that's really the beginning of this conversation about spiritual gifts. Because if the Holy Spirit is not dwelling within you, then we got to go back and have that conversation about believing in Jesus. And in believing in Jesus, we receive the good gift of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. That is the promise of God to those who believe. So let's talk a little bit about what um, what these spiritual gifts are and how they function in the lives of believers. First of all, the gifts are given um, to everyone, but they're given according to the will of God. And so you can't like say, oh, it's not like making a Christmas list or an Amazon wish list and being like, oh, well, uh, I, I want to be a prophet. So I'm going to ask God for the gift of prophecy. I mean, you could do that. But the reality is God gives the gifts according to his will. Um, he, he distributes them throughout the body in the way he sees fit. And so um, the gifts are given. First of all, we have these gift lists. If you want to look for lists of of gifts, and I don't think these lists are exhaustive. I think they're illustrative. I think these illustrate the gifts that God distributes among members of the body. Um, but there are other gifts as well. But let's let's look at the ones that are enumerated for us in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Those are the chapters you'd want to look at uh, for a conversation about uh, the, the gifts that God gives by the power of his spirit. And why are they get, given? Well, in Romans 12, um, it's really clear. The context there is that the gifts are given to promote unity. The context of 1 Corinthians 12 is worship. And the context of Ephesians 4 um, is the leadership necessary for the body to function properly. So they're definitely given for the building up of the body, serving others, um, and leading others. They're not for promoting ourselves. And so I think that's really critical to understand at the very beginning. The gifts are given according to the will of God to the body of believers in order that we might function appropriately together in carrying out the work of Christ in the world today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. When we come back, we're going to start talking about some specific gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is an app, but TikTok is also the reality of the year winding down to the end. So we're making lists. We're checking them twice. Things done, things left undone, gifts given, gifts we still need to buy. Would you help us with a gift before the end of the year? Time is ticking away, and this ministry is not possible without you. So I'm wondering if before the end of the year, you would make your best tax-deductible gift to support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps the good news in front of more people, everywhere, all the time, anywhere, accessible through the Faith Radio app and at MyFaithRadio.com. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or by giving today at MyFaithRadio.com. TikTok. All right, again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen during this Christmas week here on Faith Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the big mega gift we receive when we receive what God sends to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God has sent his son into the world that 
God might be glorified and that you and I might be reconciled in our relationship to God through Christ. And so the question is, have you received Jesus? Do you receive Jesus? Will you receive Jesus by believing in him? And if you do, then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, lots of things uh, come, wisdom, discernment, um, a special measure of grace, just all kinds of things come with the Holy Spirit. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Um, But you also get to these spiritual gifts conversations. And God gives people possessed of his spirit his gifts, his spiritual gifts. And so we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts today and specifically um, the first few on the list. And there are a lot, and we're just going to cover a few today, all right? And we're going to cover more tomorrow and throughout this week. So I want to talk today about the gift of um, administration. And you say, well, that one doesn't sound very sexy. Well, it comes in 1 Corinthians verse, or chapter 12, verse 28. And what is the core meaning of administration? And where might the gift of administration be used by God through you, empowered by the Holy Spirit? So as I talk about um, what this gift is, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, is this a gift that I possess? Um, and if so, show me how to use it effectively for building up the body of Christ and for extending um, God's grace to more and more people. So the core meaning of the spiritual gift of administration is to steer, to pilot, or to direct. It's the supernatural ability given by God to organize and guide. And so I want you to just ask yourself, like, right, do I have a knack for that? Do I have a knack for organizing, planning, developing strategies? Um, Do I like standardized methods and procedures for doing things? Um, Do I like managing things that are initiated by others? Do people often refer to me as efficient or effective? (laughs) Now, people refer to me as as efficient or effective, but administration is definitely not one of my spiritual gifts. Um, If you were to see my desk right now or my house, you would say, oh yeah, not not the spiritual gift of administration. And yet, I'm quite, quite proficient at administrative tasks, but it's definitely not my gifting. How do I know that? I find no joy in it. None. Zero. If it's your spiritual gift, trust me when I tell you, you're going to find joy in doing it. All right. So what's next? How about the gift of apostolic ministry? Here we would look in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29 and Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Um, people who uh, have the spiritual gift of apostolic ministry are set apart, sent out. They are ambassadors. Now, at some level, we all are all of these, or we all at some measure experience each of these. So um, when I say that, oh, people with the spiritual gift of apostolic ministry are those who are set apart and sent out and ambassadors, that does not let you off the hook because you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, regardless of, of whether or not you have this specific gift of apostolic ministry, which is the supernatural ability given by God to pioneer, establish, or oversee new works for the advancement of God's kingdom. Now, I am a person who always sees uh, further out, beyond, above, over, and under uh, that which is currently a part of, uh, like, kingdom ministry. Uh, I'm a blue sky thinker when it comes to what's possible and what's next and where God might be uh, going and where we might join him and how we might get aligned with what God's already doing out there Uh, in frontiers, horizons, and vistas beyond where we're currently operating. 
But even that doesn't mean I possess this particular spiritual gift of apostolic ministry. But I can see it. People who have this gift are really good at at bringing it into being. All right, how about those who possess the spiritual gift of craftsmanship? Here, um, I would actually encourage us to turn to the book of Exodus, um, where we see people who are making things as ministry. I want you to think about that for just a second. Um, The core meaning of craftsmanship is workmanship or ministry. And it's the ability that God gives um, for some to creatively form or build things that can be used for God's purposes. And maybe that's you. This is the, you know, this is people who are literally good with their hands. Um, And we need you. We need this kind of creative engineering mindset. So thank you so much for the people who have this particular gift. You might think here about the people who build or repair the temple. You might think about here people who build or repair the walls. You might think in Acts chapter 9 about Dorcas. Uh, There's all kinds of examples in Scripture of people who possess this spiritual gift of craftsmanship. If it's something that's divinely given, and it's used for the upbuilding of the body, and it's used for the advancement of kingdom purposes, it's a spiritual gift. How about creative communication? And you're probably going to say, aha, maybe we have landed on one that um, is in Carmen's gift mixed, because um, creative communication um, is people who are gifted in proclamation or instruction. It's also people who sing and make music. It's this supernatural ability given by God to communicate God's character and God's ways through all kinds of verbal and artistic expression. And so effective communicators hopefully have this spiritual gift of creative communication. Are you a songwriter? Do you lead worship? Do you love to sing to the glory of God? And do other people feel drawn into worship when you do that? Um, This takes various forms, and I think it is under underrated and under underappreciated underappreciated mm-hmm. um, in terms of our history because we have not often thought of artistic expressions as really exalting God but think of the people who made the stained glass windows or built cathedrals um, there's a there's an act there that is part craftsmanship and part creative communication think of David dancing before the Lord or Jesus teaching through parables um, Art is for the glory of God, and uh, and I don't want us to lose sight of the artistic expression as a part of this conversation. The last gift we're going to talk about um, today, well, maybe we'll talk about two more. Um, the next one is discernment, and in here we're talking about how you discriminate, how you thoughtfully separate, how you distinguish between, how you weigh things in the balance and decide between that which is good and that which is not good. It's a supernatural ability given by God to perceive whether or not um, something is of God or from God or whether or not it is of the world and of the flesh or of the demonic realm. Do you have the gift of discernment? And again, at some level, every Christian has the gift of discernment because every Christian is possessed of the Holy Spirit And this is one of the works of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. But it's also um, a particular or specific gift of the Spirit. And so are you particularly gifted in this area of discernment? Can you, do you have a heightened sensitivity or an intuition to grasp people in situations? Are you able to identify deception? Um, Can you see 
falsehood um, or misinformation when it rears its ugly head. Uh, And so, you know, just I think there is a caution because I am one of these people. There's a caution for those of us um, who have this gift. I think we need to seek confirmation before we say what we're sensing. Um, We don't want to come off as critical or judgmental of others. And so we want to prayerfully engage in this. And we also want to test it uh, with other believers who also have the gift of discernment. So this is one of those that certainly needs to be um, amplified in community. All right, let's talk about one more today. And then we'll we'll talk about more of these tomorrow. Um, and again, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We are talking during this Christmas week about unwrapping the gift of Jesus by unwrapping the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this gift um, is evangelism. Here are you... There's all kinds of places you could look in Scripture for this, but Ephesians 4, verse 11, highlights it specifically. And here we're talking about messengers or preachers of the gospel, those who bring good news. And again, it's the responsibility of each of us and all of us as the followers of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, but it's also the specific gift given to some. You recognize this difference. If you um, know that, you know, you're responsible to share the good news, but it's hard for you, it's really difficult, then this may not be your spiritual gift. And I understand that. It doesn't make you um, any less responsible for communicating the gospel through the gifts God has given you. And so people come to see God and know God through Christians who are operating in the spirit of Christ and in their spiritual gifts, um, living out the character and the ways of God always and in all ways. But evangelism and those with the gift of it specifically are people who have the ability to communicate the gospel message to unbelievers so that they actually become followers of Jesus. Um, I'm thinking here about, um, you know, people who are able to engage with uh, non-believers in a way that non-believers can genuinely receive. You probably know whether or not non-believers accept or rebuff you. And people who have the gift of evangelism are not rebuffed by non-believers. They're strangely welcomed in. And so we want to talk, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about what that gift look what that gift looks like and who is possessed of it in order that we might encourage them um, as they lead others to Jesus. So are you able to uh, proclaim the gospel in an authoritative way that draws other people to Jesus? Are you able to adapt your presentation of the gospel? to connect um, with individuals that you meet along life's way. Um, Jesus uh, and Zacchaeus is a good story to look at here. Philip and the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8, good places to look in Scripture for where the gift of evangelism is operating in the life of a believer or Jesus himself. This is Mornings with Carmen, and we got a special edition here during this holiday week. I think this is a good place to look into Scripture and see where the gift of evangelism working in the life of a believer actually appears. So what does that look like to work out the gift of evangelism, to actually share Jesus with someone else? Have you done that lately? What would that look like? Well, everybody is really asking or seeking to answer three big questions. Who am I? Where do I fit in? And what on earth am I here to do? These are the questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. So how are you answering those questions? I mean, seriously, like how are you answering the questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. Who am I? Where do I fit in? Who are my people? And what on earth am I on earth to do? Everyone is asking those questions, not just you. And so scripture offers us um, lots of places where those questions are answered. I would direct you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 1 Peter chapter 1, any number of passages of scripture where the questions of 
who we are in Christ and belonging to him as his people and the purpose of of living as his agents of grace and ambassadors of his lordship in the world today. All of that is the subject of Josh Rasmussen's book, Who Are You Really? And we have copies to give away today. So as you listen, if you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies we have to give away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you're listening to a special Christmas week edition of Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Josh Rashmussen is here with us today. He is a philosopher, but don't let that scare you off. His YouTube channel is excellent. You should check it out. He's here to talk with us today about his brand new book, Who Are You Really? Josh, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Carmen. Okay, if I were just to ask you that question, Who Are You Really?, how would you answer it? Yeah, well, I would say a very, very special being in the image of God. But unpacking that takes a book and That's science exactly right. and serious reflection. Yeah. So um, one of the things I appreciate is that um, you do offer this like step-by-step examination into like the fundamental question of like, what is a human being? And therefore, who am I as a human being? And why do I exist? And how is that even possible? Like, like all of that. But you do so, I mean, this is philosophy, but you do so in a way that um, I think regular people like me can understand. So first of all, thank you for just talking in regular words. I appreciate that very, very much. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that you, you could see that and appreciate that. Thank you. I like this. It is not obvious how something like you could ever exist. So I stand in the mirror and I say, like, who are you really? Like, it's not obvious how something like you, Carmen, could ever exist. Let's just jump into the question. Yeah. So oftentimes we take for granted familiar things. Our thoughts are very familiar. Our feelings, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have a feeling about what to do. Thoughts in your mind. Those things are so familiar, we just take them for granted. But if you start thinking about it, how do those things come to exist? Especially if you look out into the world and you see dirt, sand blowing in the wind, and you organize that to form structures. How can you form feelings? How can you form thoughts, even in principle? And I want to just say, Carmen, some philosophers who think about this and analyze this, um, looking at the science, using conceptual analysis of what a thought is, what a feeling is, they actually arrive at what they call the hard problem of consciousness, which is one of many problems, leading some to even say, you know what, we couldn't exist. There's no way there could be something like you. That's too special. That's too uh, hard to fit into a purely uh, fundamentally mindless uh, material world. And that's because a lot of these philosophers are working out of this paradigm that our world is fundamentally mindless uh, matter. But kind of the point of the book is to challenge that paradigm to start with the familiar and then to use careful thinking, thinking about thinking. What is thinking? What are thoughts? And showing that in order for these things to emerge ever, the world fundamentally cannot be mindless matter. And this can bring great encouragement, I think, to Christians who are working out their worldview. But also it's more than that because I say in the book, and this I think might surprise some readers, that 
merely saying that there's an all-powerful being doesn't even solve the question right away about how you could exist. We need to understand how even an all-powerful being could make something like you. And, and this is where I arrive at a conclusion that you are so deeply connected as an, uh, an image of God-bearer that in order for God to make you, God has to make you in a very, very special way. That we are more special, I think, than we really understand without reflection. Thinking about what you think about and why you think, how you think about what you're thinking about, like all of that, I think for Christians is an absolutely necessary um, exercise before we can get to the place where, where we say, I have cultivated the mind of Christ on a particular matter. Like how, how could I possibly know that I have the mind of Christ on something if I haven't even bothered thinking about what I'm thinking about and thinking about how I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. Like, so I really, I appreciate this, not just as a philosophical exercise, but as an exercise of discipleship. Like, I I think the stakes are very high. I don't think it's just about me figuring out, you know, like, why I breathe. But I think it is, for Christians, um, an essential exercise because the questions that people are asking in the world are at this most fundamental and basic level of identity and life itself and where we come from and, you know, like the, the origin, the genuine origin story. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a way of loving God with your mind by mm. thinking about what your mind is. I love how you put that. And it's definitely relevant to our culture. I can give you example after example of people who've written me personally to tell me that their whole thinking about reality has transformed by thinking about how their own existence could come about out of mindless matter. And it's brought people into relationship with God because they're actually thinking hard about how they could exist, especially if they they kind of take for granted a certain worldview and they haven't seen how to integrate their own existence into that worldview. So loving God, you know, all of us, as we're thinking about who we are, how we can love God, it encourages me, but it also gives us resources to encourage others. That's been my experience. So um, in in Josh's book, um, which again, we're, we're talking specifically about his book today, Who Are You Really? Josh, Joshua Rasmussen. Um, you can connect with him online, joshualrasmussen.org. He's got a YouTube channel that is just excellent. Um, and Joshua, when, when we start into this conversation, um, I appreciate that you talk about the fact that there are obstacles to this. People look for, well, not, not necessarily even intentionally look, the world offers up a narrative and it offers up answers to these questions. Um, and sifting out and sorting through what is true from what is not true is a part of this exercise. So what yes. would be an obstacle to really understanding who I am. One obstacle I see is people sometimes associate with science, which is a kind of authority in our culture to get to reality. They'll associate with science a certain picture, which ironically enough, Carmen, I think contradicts what we're finding in science. But the picture that people associate sometimes is a kind of mindless first matter that pulls the strings and everything else. And this creates a stumbling block, because if this is the picture, if you think the mindless matter view of reality, when I say mindless matter, I'm, I'm talking about atoms smashing into each other, 
uh, to produce brains, to produce the feeling of being you. And that the mindless matter is basically the puppet master and everything you do and think. And if you think this is the scientific worldview, then this is going to create an obstacle to having a worldview where actually the fundamental ingredients of reality aren't mindless matter. Um, that you actually have power over your, your brain to some degree, that you can actually cultivate positive thinking, you can cultivate a attitude of worship and gratitude, that you have the power to do that. And to be honest, when I've looked at, well, there's so much science into this, it's not something you just look at one time, you, you research this, you study this, and there's so many corners of the different fields in neuroscience, neurobiology, even cosmology and physics, that are all pointing to a emerging consensus that your mind actually does have power to change and to affect your brain, to actually build health into your brain from the mind, from your thoughts, from your intentions. And so, so the stumbling block to answer your question, I think is in an impression about what science is telling us. And the way that I try to roll away this, this stumbling block in the book is by using reason and analysis and actually looking at what this the actual science is telling us recent science like in the last few years about the power of your mind to change and to influence your world so to me this is just so exciting because people regularly underestimate their power their power to think their power to, to direct their lives and all of this is connected to taking control of our minds using our minds to love god to love people and a lot of my book, you know, as you say, it's it's a philosopher's book, but it's not purely outside of practical application. It's it's in a way building conceptual building blocks to encourage you that you can actually make a difference to your life. You actually can form a path in your mind, and that path in your mind will affect your brain in positive ways. We're going to talk does with Josh next. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely it does. Thank We're going to talk with Josh next, um, not only about that journey, which he has just described, but some of the tools of inquiry um, with which we need to be equipped and which we need to use in order to progress toward, you know, an accurate answer to this question. Who, who are you? Like, really? Continuing the conversation with Josh Rasmussen here on Mornings with Carmen. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. Continuing our conversation with Josh Rasmussen. Uh, he is a professor at Azusa Pacific University. He is the host of a YouTube channel called The Worldview Design. You can find him at his website, Joshua L rasmussen 
org. His book, which we're discussing today, is Who Are You Really? A Philosopher's Inquiry into the Nature and Origins of Persons. But it's not like a philosophy book that you should be scared of. It is accessible in its language. It's very clear in its logic. And he really does um, answer the question, like, who are you, really? Um, Invites us onto a journey. And right now we're going to talk about the tools of inquiry that that we can use to, to provide light on this journey into the cave of consciousness. So what are some tools we need, Josh, um, on this journey? Yeah, so people have powers more than they realize. And one of the tools that I invite the readers to use is their power to use introspection, by which you can witness that you're thinking, that you're feeling. And this is a power that's so familiar, but oftentimes it gets sort of missed. It, ta- it gets taken for granted. You know, we use your, our eyes to see trees and, and wood and things like this. But we forget that there's this other power, this introspective power, by which we're able to be aware, even of our conscious ability to see. Even our ability to see is something that we access through introspection. And then also the light of reason. So introspection and reason, these are two tools, very, very powerful. And I show how you can use these to analyze recent science and to understand at a deep, deep level who you are, not just what your body looks like, but at the most fundamental level of this question of how, how you could even exist, how you could have those thoughts. So those are the tools, um, introspection and reason. When you talk about reason, I think um, there are a lot of people who have never, never spent time thinking about the power of reason, that it is a power that I possess, that it is yes. a power that I can cultivate, and that it's not, it's not necessarily what the world says is reasonable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very familiar power that I think is a spiritual power. People talk about human reasoning, but I actually believe that this power of reasoning is actually angelic. Uh, God himself, heck, come let us reason together, you know, together, that this is a power straight from God. And it's funny because when people use reasoning, it's a power, we can, we can use it in different ways. As you say, it's like driving a vehicle. You can drive that vehicle and you can drive it well. Uh, you can get good at driving through the exercise of, uh, you know, through practice, or you can crash your car. And so as human beings, you know, the human reasoning is the human use of this divine power, if I could use that language. But it's a very special power. And when people use the power uh, badly, they're still using a power, I think, that comes from God. And this, to me, invites humility but also awe and wonder that we have this special gift that we can use. And we can use it, as we said earlier, to love God and to love others. Um, the, the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this, um, illuminating me, opening the eyes of my heart, I mean, you know, in the process of introspection, um, the role of the Holy Spirit in leading me into all truth when we talk about reason. Can you Can you just reflect for a moment on the the role of the Holy Spirit um, and that power in all of this? It's a beautiful question because it connects right up with the previous question about how we can avoid mistakes. And I think there's a humility where you lean on God and God's spirit, like you said, can lead you into all truth. You're using reasoning, but you know, there's almost this association that reason is worldly 
and that, you know, God's spirit is this sort of religious thing. And one of the things that I like to show in my work is how actually everything belongs to God, if that makes sense. So reasoning is a power that belongs to God. And then as you point out, you know, if you're cooperating with God's spirit, that's going to protect you. So for me in my life, a lot of people don't know this about me in my professional work, but in my own personal journey, even as I'm writing a book, I'll have these prayers. I'll say, God, help me to think through this. Guide me, mm. direct me. And I'll get these nudges in my work um, as I'm using reason. Reason is kind of a, a love language that I have. God knows that. So God reasons with me. Um, <laughs> but it's God's spirit that's working with me. I love the idea yeah. that reason could be a love language. Yeah. You know, I tell people that my love languages are uh, acts of service, food, and um, arguments, you know, with philosophers, we like to argue towards the truth, hopefully not, not the angry arguments, but <laughs> sets of reasons. Okay. Yes. A reason is my love language for me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Conversation, good conversation where there's a lot of give and take and a lot of back and forth and the introduction of ideas that might at first seem strange and mm -hmm. reasoning together with other Christians um, to discern the truth. Like n never was this meant to be a solitary journey. So I appreciate the iron sharpens iron, um, you know, part of this as well. Josh, what a delight. Um, I love your YouTube channel. Um, it's very refreshing. I like that you address um, very real questions. I like the way that you introduce your website as well. And um, and invite real conversations. Um, I feel like this book is uh, is is a wonderful introduction of you to the reading community. But I also recognize mm -hmm. there's a lot of non-readers out there in emerging generations um, in terms of the way they access information. And so, thank you for doing it all. Thank you for doing what you do on YouTube and in the classroom and um, and in what you write. So, I just I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. I appreciate your work as well. And I'm just so thrilled that I could have this time with you to kind of point people to these treasures that I think are just so familiar within us, but that are often not recognized how special they are. So thank you for this. Appreciate that. Um, I am really glad that you exist. <laughs> well, me too. This is one of the Be things that sometimes keeps yeah, me up right? at night. Just I'm so relieved in a way that reality gave rise to me. You know, right? and you too, no, of that's course. Yes. So true. Like, right? Like, I mean, you know, it is possible that you could not exist. And so I just want to really affirm that. And um, and thank you for drawing us into thinking about that and who we are and why the answers to that question really matter. So what does it mean to be thank human? You. What is a person? Where did we come from? That is the subject matter that Josh addresses in the book, Who Are You Really? Connect with him, joshualrasmussen.org. Just a reminder, we do have copies to give away of Who Are You Really? So text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Josh Rasmussen's Who Are You Really? So as you are thinking about the new year, we were going to we want to invite you to consider reading through the Bible together with us in the new year. Are you interested in doing that? You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and, and sign up to read through the Bible with us in 2024. It's just such a great discipline. It's a wonderful thing to engage in in terms of scripture reading, um, and to do it together with others is 
is wonderful as well. So join us in reading the Bible together at myfaithradio.com in 2024. I frequently ask, where in the word are you? And I do that because we need to have the word of God in us. And the way that it gets in us is that we read, on, we read it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, we read it out loud with one another, we study it, we consider it. And then we don't just apply it to our lives. We want to be people who are fully integrated, fully integrated disciples. And so that means that the Bible really actually becomes second nature. It becomes our, our second thought. It's what God brings to mind when we are in the midst of a challenge or a joy or a struggle or a grief. We gain God's perspective on the things of the world and on ourselves by immersing ourselves in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. And so today, where in the word are you? And then I would certainly invite you to get into the word with us in the new year as well. Read through the Bible with us in 2024. Thanks so much for listening to this special episode of Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.